So once, uh, when the great master Huang Tao of Yue, Yue Shan, was sitting in meditation, a monk asked him, What are you thinking, sitting there so fixedly? The master answered, I'm thinking of not thinking. The monk asked, How do you think of not thinking? The master answered, Non-thinking. So this is a story that Dogen uh, relays in a fascicle called Zazen Shin, uh, which is like, one translation is the point of Zazen. But my favorite translation of that title is actually the acupuncture needle of Zazen. <laughs> so this Shin could actually be a, a needle. So recently, a, a number of people that I practice with um, in Austin, a couple people, um, have come to me at separate times uh, with a little bit of um, frustration about uh, Zen's lack of instruction or practices or something. Um, <clears throat> And I think when I hear that, part of me says, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's kind of, uh, I get the complaint. <laughs> um, that we see other schools of Buddhism that have um, stages or clear practices, you know, and even curriculums. You know, you do this practice for some time and then you do this next practice. And there's a kind of felt feeling of a kind of vagueness to what the instruction in Zen is. Um, so part of me understands the frustration, um, and yet I keep coming back to um, there's a strain of teaching in Soto Zen of, um, of making kind of religious texts out of the instructions for how to sit, uh, and particularly the posture of sitting. So I think probably we're all familiar with uh, Fukan Zazengi. Is that something that's chanted here? Or, um, but but there's a you know famous Dogen fascicle that's um, that he wrote pretty soon after returning from China, and kind of he was pretty young. Um, and he continued to refine this sort of two-page writing his whole life, and, and it's basically Zazen instruction. So, um, so part of me understands this frustration of a kind of vagueness of Zen, but then part of me says there's such like clear, explicit instruction about what it is to do. Um, and I think it speaks to our longing in a way, to know uh, what it is we're supposed to do, um, how profound that kind of longing is, and how uncomfortable we can be with not knowing. Um, and um, Zen, in a way, is uncompromising in returning us to not knowing. 
And maybe the more we do that, the more we find a kind of freshness there. Like, um, maybe I've sat zazen many times, but if I approach my own experience with this kind of not knowing, you know, maybe it feels totally different today than it did yesterday. Um, and in a way that doesn't matter. Um, I think my intention in practice is to absorb the instruction, uh, you know, how do we sit? Um, so, in, in Zen instruction, it has something to do with um, an upright spine, an elongated spine, Maybe even a feeling of the top of our head kind of pulling up towards the, the sky, extending the space in, in our spine. And maybe we tuck our chin just a little bit to elongate that back of our neck and bring some strength to our posture. Maybe we kind of roll our shoulders and find some place of relaxed uh, steadiness and openness in our posture. Maybe we kind of tune into um, uh, where it feels like we are in space. So does it feel like my nose lines up with my navel? Or is my head kind of turned one way or another? Does it feel like my ears line up with my shoulders? Or am I kind of leaning forward? So there's this kind of endless investigation of our physical being in space. And then if we do this well or properly, um, what happens then? So I think one of the, the, the things I like about the explicit instruction on posture is there's not much kind of said about like, if you do this, then you will get this. Um, it's more just concentrate on doing this, on the activity. And then leave open what, what happens next. Leave open to um, you know, the changing moment in time, the changing felt experience that we have. So this is that not knowing uh, that allows a kind of mystery to uh, enter our lives. So even though we have this need to know this kind of desire to know, in a way it limits uh, what our experience or what our perceived experience actually becomes. Uh, as soon as we think we know, we've kind of lost sense of all the things that we don't know. So Suzuki Roshi in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind has a chapter called Posture. 
and in the sort of um, italicized quote at the top of the page, it just says, these forms are not meant, are not the means of obtaining the right state of mind. To take this position is itself to have the right state of mind. There is no need to obtain some special state of mind. So as a Zazen instruction, it's like um, we almost have to keep reminding ourselves that we're not trying to obtain some state of mind. That's that kind of question of what next? Like if I sit upright and open and I stay awake, what happens? Even in that question, there's a kind of like, I want something to happen. Um, but can we let go of that and just sort of enter fully this activity of being upright? And, and sort of curious. Um, Suzuki Roshi says, Now I would like to talk about our Zazen posture. When you sit in the full lotus position, your left foot is on your right thigh, and your right foot is on your left thigh. So he's sort of quoting Dogen and Fukan Zazengi. When we cross our legs like this, even though we have a right leg and a left leg, they have become one, a kind of one base of support for our spine, for our uprightness. This position expresses the oneness of duality, not two, not one. This is the most important teaching, not two and not one. Our body and mind are not two and not one. If you think your body and mind are two, that is wrong. If you think that they are one, that is also wrong. Our body and mind are both two and one. We usually think of some, if something is not one, it is more than one. <laughs> if it is not singular, it is plural. But in actual experience, our life is not only plural, but also singular. Each one of us is both dependent and independent. the specifics in Zazen instruction, uh, in Fukan Zazengi, in, in Suzuki Roshi's lecture. Uh, in this old Windbell book, there's a, um, a Zazen instruction from one of my teachers, the uh, abbots at the Chapel Hill Zen Center, Joshua Pat Phelan. Um, so there's this kind of tradition of very specific Zazen instruction, and maybe we'll go through some of it, but um, uh, <clears throat> I think in, in having so much instruction about posture, there's this, to me, encouragement to become curious about my own body, about the felt sense of my body in space.
And I think in our experience we do often feel this difference between my mind, the things I think, my ideas, and then the felt sense of my body. Uh, like they're kind of in balance with each other. But I think, you know, maybe the more we practice, the more our actual experience becomes uh, a feeling of uh, oneness of body and mind. In the sense that, like, one is always affecting the other, uh, and vice versa. So there's both this physical instruction, how to sit upright. But then there's this question about thinking, not thinking. Non-thinking. What might that have to do with uh, posture? How does sitting upright maybe engender non-thinking, welcome it or something. And again, in a way, we don't have to worry about whether it does or doesn't or how it does or doesn't. We just keep coming back to, oh, right, am I still sitting upright? Uh, are my ears still over my shoulders? So in Josho, uh, Pat Phelan's lecture on Zazen posture, she says, two characteristics of Zazen are being alert yet relaxed. There should be some energy or effort in your zazen practice. This is an intentional activity and requires some effort, but not too much effort. If there's too much effort, you will become tense and your zazen practice will be a strain. While sitting, you should be relaxed but awake. On the one hand, if you become too relaxed, your mind will become dull and it will wander in its, in its usual way, or you may fall asleep. We each need to find a balance between effort and ease in our zazen practice. She quotes uh, Suzuki Roshi. She says, in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Suzuki Roshi says, the most important thing in taking the zazen posture is to keep your spine straight. So whether you are lying down, sitting in a chair, or sitting on a cushion, try to keep a straight back. You know, what does that mean? What does a straight back mean um, in this very body? I think our mind is so strong, sometimes we have an idea of, of our body uh, that can even override the felt experience of what our body is telling us.
can I kind of feel inside where my back is, where it's arched or not? Can the process of zazen kind of involve an investigation of this felt sense? And how do I know if I'm upright? Maybe I don't. But I think um, when I'm kind of with my own felt experience, kind of just physically wondering where upright is or where a straight spine might be, I think one thing that helps me um, tune into uh, if I'm getting closer or further from that, as if they were some perfectly upright thing to attain. Um, But what helps me tune in is often a kind of um, uh, like a, a subtly uneasy feeling, like a tender feeling. Sometimes if, if, my, if my face lines up with my heart, there's like a twinge of sadness or a twinge of rawness. And I think um, that actually can be a kind of a pointing to um, a kind of openness to our experience. So in Tibetan Buddhism, they often use this term bodhicitta, um, and it has you know, a several meanings, um, including the sort of, um, our very first realization that practice is possible. Our first kind of awakening to maybe there's a different way I could live my life or a slightly different perspective. without knowing what it is or how to get there, kind of sensing that there's a kind of awakeness that's possible. That could be called bodhicitta. But when Pema Chodron talks about bodhicitta, often it's sort of, um, it's a kind of rawness. It's a tender heart. And, um, you know, the practice is to allow that, to be curious about that um, and to try not to turn away or distract. So part of what posture is, is a kind of um, stability to um, have some support in being with something tender like the very uh, core of our own being. So what I think, you know, when Zen uh, gives us these instructions, and yet sometimes as students of Zen we feel like Zen is unclear, or we wish we had more concrete instruction. 
think I appreciate the the kind of um, lack of trying to pin something down. Like this is what our experience should be. This is what we should be feeling. Um, because it, it to me it expresses a great trust in the naturalness of what we already are. So if we just take a posture and be um, that the mystery of life is, uh, is there with us, is transforming us. Sometimes if we have something specific, like, oh, I want to, I'm trying to do this, that actually becomes a distraction to um, this, this trust or faith that um, sitting upright is enough to express the fullness of reality. So Katagiri Roshi <clears throat> I think expresses this trust. This is from a chapter called Right Faith in his book uh, Returning to Silence. Katagiri Roshi says, uh, Buddhism is not a revealed religion. It is a self-awakening religion. Because it is based on the ultimate nature of existence, faith in Buddhism does not depend on something extra, something outside of ourselves. Faith is based on self-awakening and consists of very simple actions. Even though we don't understand this ultimate nature, all we have to do is just continue to approach it. This is Buddhist faith. This is the pure sense of practice. Nothing contaminates it. It is very realistic, but simultaneously it is vast, connected with the universe. This is the actual practice for us, leaving the way to the way leaving zazen to zazen, leaving one step to one step. This is the true way to attain the way. This is all we have to do. So in a way, by just sitting upright, and relaxed and letting our experience be as it is with awareness, with awakeness, being present with our felt experience. We're just leaving the way to the way. We're allowing Zazen to be Zazen. And there's a kind of great freedom or relief in not having a project anymore, like not having something I'm trying to get. <clears throat> it can be this moment of uh, kind of a break in our life. So zazen seems hard sometimes, or physically painful even. Sometimes it's just a great relief to sit down. 
How are we doing for time? What, what time did we start? I think about 10.15. Uh, yeah, we have uh, a few more minutes, if there's more you'd like to say. Sure, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> So what happens when we sit down and we kind of consciously find our posture and our body and we express physically this intention to be upright? Um, what is our experience of that? You know, of course it's always changing, but this is, I think, T.S. Eliot expression of what's happening then. This is from Four Quartets. He says, At the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is. But neither arrest nor movement, and do not call it fixity, where past and future are gathered, neither movement from nor towards, neither ascent nor decline, except for the point, the still point. Uh, I'm sorry, except for the still point, except for the point, the still point, there would be no dance, and there is only dance. I'll read that one more time. Um, at the still point of the turning world. So within our um, uprightness. Uh, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards. At the still point, there the dance is but neither arrest nor movement. And do not call it fixity, where past and future are gathered, neither movement from nor towards, neither ascent nor decline, except for the point, the still point, there would be no dance, and there is only the dance. I can only say, there we have been, but I cannot say where. <laughs> so maybe this is what uh, non-thinking might look like. still point to witness the dance or to be the dance. And trusting that that is enough. That we don't always need to know.
so I'm happy to talk about this further if there are comments or questions.